Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Booty Call 8642 has the answer to how I should be handling covid What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. Optimal outcome, imperfect information, solve this puzzle by tomorrow morning. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Simon Grimm acceptance, that's it. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Mom is perfect and has all the answers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And let me tell you, Margaret sounds a lot more peppy than she did about 30 <laughs> seconds ago before we started recording. She's That's trying. True. She's bringing it, Oh, you my guys. gosh. You guys, it's a total facade. Before we got on mic, I was like, how's it going, Amy? I'm not feeling good. I don't know about this COVID thing. It's true. I put on a complete facade. It's like fake book. I'm like fake podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we're, we're in it. We're back in it. We didn't think we would be in yet. Here we are. Here you come again. (laughs) Omicron. I mean, I was laughing with my husband, David. He said, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, we're back to basics. Like, it's like the peak chart. That's how our podcasts are. We like keep peaking. Every time we think we might have recorded our last COVID episode, every time we try to get out, they pull us back in, Amy. Godfather 3. This is an all new Omicron edition of the What Fresh (laughs) Health podcast. Oh, my crown. Here we go. (laughs) I did want to um, steer this slightly towards... Yes, please do, because otherwise it's just going to be angry ranting. Uh, we, We all know that you can screed and I'm here for it. Yes. You're a funny screeder. I mean, it's I'm re- ready to screed. I'm <laughs> screed positive. Funny. Maybe. Yes. No, I don't know that they're going to be funny screeds today. They just may be like, Rawr. what I thought we would talk about, though, is pandemic decision fatigue. I've got it, Amy. I'm soaking in it, as you like to say. I'm soaking in it. We probably have some new listeners who don't know what that means. That's an oldie locks alert. Back in my day, there was an ad back in the 70s for palmolive dish detergent, you know, dish soap. And it was so gentle that you would go get your nails done at the nail salon. Marge was doing your nails and she tells you how gentle palmolive is. And she says, you're soaking in it. And then the lady's hand has been soaking in palmolive dish detergent this whole time to actually soften her hands. That's how good it was. I've got to say, big ups to recalling the name Marge from that commercial. I mean, you have a mind like a steel trap. I'm soaking in it. (laughs) 
We're soaking in it. We're soaking in. We See if you can find that on YouTube and we'll put it in the show notes because it's such a bonkers ad. Why would you be soaking Lynn's yeah. hand in Balmolive? Like, oh, oh, they are soft. Yeah. Thanks, Marge. Yeah, now me. that would be like a lawsuit. Like, what well, you mean? You, I've been sitting here with my hand in dish detergent for an hour? <laughs> manicure is this. Omicron manicure. I will sue you right out of business, Marge. <laughs> um, yes, decision fatigue. And I, I think... It's hit a new peak for me. This is perhaps the biggest peak yet because I feel like the people who are supposed to give us guidance, it was always contrasting and confusing. And now they're just like, yeah, I don't know. Do whatever you want. Absolutely. I saw a tweet the other day and I don't know who it was from, but I'm going to, um, what do you call it when you quote something, but you're just kind of making it up? You're... uh... (laughs) There's a word for it. It's like I, I have pandemic brain fog. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's a word for like I'm going to just sort of say it in my paraphrase. Own paraphrase. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Good See job. That? We are Marge really, and paraphrase. It took us like a 45 seconds to come up with paraphrase. Yeah, we're a little slow, ladies. We're a little slow, friends. The tweet basically said we were sold recycling is to climate change what your actions are to COVID. The, the Earth maybe ball of fire in 10 years, but you're going to recycle all your cans and wash out your plastic wrap. And that is going to make a difference. And similarly, like your individual behavior is going to make some difference in COVID. And in fact, this has got to be done on such a huge policy level that your individual choices were not able ever to fix this situation. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be making individual choices and making smart choices. You shouldn't be testing positive for COVID and going to parties. That's not what it says. But it gave me like a, huh, kind of moment of like, yes, this like constant stress of recycling doesn't seem to be stopping global warming. I love this recycling metaphor. And I want to go with it because, you know, when I recycle, I am kind of a recycling nut and I don't want to hear that it doesn't really work and it doesn't really matter. I love I love rinsing out my my, uh, you know, baby spinach salad container before I put it in my recycling. I recycle because I'm, you know, a citizen of the world. And then when I see somebody using single-use plastic bottles, which of course sometimes I do, but I try not to, I get this grim satisfaction of like, well, I'm doing just a little bit more than that person is doing for the world. When the sun explodes the earth, you will be able to be like, I did my best. It's not on me. me. It is not on me. No no, no guilt here. I feel like I had quite a different uh, experience over the holiday break because my spouse and I, we were supposed to go on a vacation with our three kids. And we were supposed to go to a place that, other than New York City, was a particularly crowded, COVID-heavy, probably unsafe place to go where we would be in a hotel, eat in restaurants. And I agonized over it. And so did my spouse. And we decided not to to go. Yes. But then, like, to have my social media full of people who did go to places like that and were having a blast and didn't get sick, whereas we stayed home and did nothing and all got sick with something that we never tested positive. So I'm not sure that it was Omicron, but it was, you know, flu-like. And we all just stayed home and didn't see anybody for a week while other people did get to go that get that stuff. I'm having the opposite feeling, is what I'm trying to say, of seeing somebody with a single-use plastic bottle. I'm not feeling better about my decision necessarily seeing, like other people living their lives and it was fine. It's making me frustrated, not just with the world, but with myself. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And I will say I'm in a very particular mood today. So take this uh, with a grain of everything, you know, but I feel a little bit 
and we were talking a little bit before we got on. I have such decision fatigue that I'm kind of becoming the person of, I think we're all going to get it and like enough already. I wear a mask. I do all the things I'm supposed to do. But I recently went for break to be with my whole family. My dad is older. Uh, We're all as vaccinated as we can be. We were able to be in a house together where we were isolated from other people, but there were people coming from all over to the house. And I thought, listen, the chances that somebody has it are probably high. We all kind of made a collective decision that we are going to do this thing that has a certain amount of risk involved. Um, I have, from the beginning of the pandemic, taken the stance that you make pandemic decisions for yourself only. So I can't say like, it's too dangerous to my dad to go like if he's willing to accept the risk, which he was, you guys had to talk about it. You guys face this stuff. You weren't in denial about it's not happening. You're like, I think it's happening. But this is a risk. You weighted the risk. And also, it seems like you're going to get it anywhere at this point. And maybe this is the wrong point of view, but I just kind of feel like you guys stayed home, like you said, and you're getting sick. Like, right. we stayed home and got sick. You went and you did it. We go right. and we're getting sick. Like, it just feels to me like the calculus is no longer like, do the right thing and don't spread this disease and don't get sick yourself. That now... I'm starting to lean towards like all decisions are equal and it's frustrating, but I'm going to stop recycling. (laughs) And I mean, I don't think that's actually right, but I feel and there there was no clear guidance. I mean, you and I both sort of agonize over these decisions. And I think in in my case, one of the factors that weighed in not going is there was no elderly parent or new baby or wedding or you know what I mean? It was a it was a for the hell right, of it. It was trip. just right. for fun. So we didn't do it. And you had, you know, you had different reasons and different motivations, but just kind of nobody told us we were supposed to go or not. Like they had New Year's Eve in Times Square. It just, you know, it made no sense to me. It, like, like, wh- like, what are we doing? And then to compound this, if you're a parent of a kid under five, the messaging is either, well, people who are unvaccinated are bringing this on themselves. And it's like, hello, I have a one year old who can't be vaccinated for sometime. And nah, it's probably fine. And it won't matter anyway. Like that's not great. That's not reassuring. That's just seems to be where we are that we're just like, yeah, I can't take it anymore. So let's just, let's just roll with it. That's a hard position to be in. Yeah. I mean, it feels like as a society and nation and a world, we've just gotten to like, oh, well, this can't be fixed kind of, you know? Yeah. I mean, my kids get tested at school. So my kids were tested the day before we left, which I would have been more anxious and uncertain about going without being tested. But certainly people classically test and then have it the next day. I mean, it's not like a test is is saying, okay, you're fine. I, I just feel like, yeah, the goalposts have completely moved. We're now doing the thing there was an old bazooka comic where the guy was like oh i'm looking for my watch and the person says oh is this where you lost your watch and he says no but the light is better over here (laughs) and i feel like that is where we are with the pandemic what are we doing right if you're if you're testing 24 percent positive and then everyone's just doing regular stuff whereas before it was considered terrible of 10 percent people positive i mean i also think that people are assuming that it's less serious now. I mean, it's certainly less serious for vaccinated people. There's more treatments. But I mean, it, it, it's messy out there. It's still like better in an absolute sense to not get it. One of our good friends has little kids and, and they got it in their house and they felt pretty sick. Like They're fine. They're going to be fine. But it's not like 
something to bewitch. It's like, it's the sickest you'll ever feel, but don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Like, it's not, it's not awesome. It's not an awesome week to go through in your house. I guess I'm just, I am fatalistic to the point of like, if we're at this can't be fixed, this can't be fixed. I have a friend whose sister is a nurse in New York City, beginning of the pandemic, and she works in labor and delivery, so not in a COVID ward, but I mean, full PPE, like doing the whole thing, like wearing garbage bags at some point in New York City, like doing it all. And then at night, she would walk across Central Park home and she would take her mask off. She would walk home without a mask on. And she said twice people yelled at her like, you should have a mask on. You know, it was before we kind of maybe knew that outside wasn't as bad, right? It was Everybody was freaking out. And it was very early days and there were no vaccines and it was a freak show. But yes, she is a medical professional, had the sense that maybe outside was fine. Yeah. And she just basically at a certain point was like, after 12 hours of full PPA, like, you know, the double mask, face mask, the whole suit, the whole thing that she was doing. She said, if I'm going to get it walking home across Central Park just from the air, it wants me more than I don't want it. I got to take a mask off and walk across the park at the end of the day because otherwise I can't mentally survive. And I don't know, I'm not doing a ton. I'm not going out to I'm not going out to a restaurant. I'm not going out to a bar. Right. But I'm sending my kids to school. I did go on this trip for the holidays. I just I feel fatalistic, I guess is how I feel. Well, getting back to the the decision fatigue. Yes. Because I do think that's like what is particularly exhausting right now is that we don't really know what we're supposed to do, but it still seems important. Each decision seems important. Yes. The American Psychological Association did a large survey of stress during the pandemic. They sort of put it like this. The pandemic has imposed the need for constant risk assessment with routines upended and once trivial tasks recast in light of the pandemic. And I think that's what it is. Like, because yep. even though you're saying, and I, and I understand this, like, uh, it can't be fixed, whatever. We just got to do our thing. You're still like, uh, but should I go to the store? But should I send my kids to school tomorrow? You're, you'd like to opt out of making these decisions. Oh, yeah, but I'm definitely not. That's that's a very good clarification because I'm not like, I'm throwing my mask away and going to the bar. Oh, well, like I'm not at all like that. But I find that my goalposts have just shifted. March 2020, when the numbers were like this, I was, you know, home making bread. And mm-hmm. now I'm kind of like, I guess we'll go see family, even though it doesn't really make any sense on paper. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about why experts say parents have it even worse than other people. I'm going to say there's a 50-50 chance we come back from this break, Amy. We may just (laughs) give up. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking... I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. 
been to. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. More and more you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's Sports Research, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Okay, we're back. We decided to come back. Okay, so um, if you want a little back pat from the American Psychological Association. We do love a back pat. They say that decision-making fatigue during the pandemic is having a disproportionate impact on parents because of change of work, school, and everyday routines. Almost half of the parents in their study reported that they are sometimes so stressed about the pandemic that they struggle to make basic decisions For example, what to wear or what to eat. Yes, correct. And this is the other thing I will say. I have been watching a lot of Real Housewives programming recently. And a theme of Real Housewives is always like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I don't care. That's literally right. Like the opening sequence is just 10 versions of like... I say what I think and I don't care what anyone thinks, right? Be my friend, be my listener, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Hear my truth. Say it walking. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's got a thing. And... Of course, it's complete nonsense. Nobody feels that way, but people feel an obligation to say they feel Mm. that way. And I realize a parallel in the way that I'm being like, it can't be fixed. I'm giving up. I'm not at all that way. You know, I just I think I want to be that person. I want to get to that place of like, I just accept at this point that what I cannot change. And I actually don't. Yeah. Let me try saying ignore everything I said for the first 15 minutes of this podcast. Let me just try saying it with a lot of certainty and see if it soaks in. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's what I'm doing. And I'm also maybe kind of justifying the fact that like I really wanted to be with my family over the holidays. So I did that. And I'm like, well, listen, I'm off the hook because I did what I could. Nope. I'm now back to I just was on a text thread this morning with girlfriends. Hey, it's January. Like we miss each other. Let's get together. And I was the person who was like, I'm not getting together, friends. Mm -hmm. Like we're not doing it. We're not going to do a lot again. Yeah, exactly. We don't. There's no sort of we can do this, kids. Right. There, no. There's zero Zoom happy hour. There's <laughs> we can't do this. Oh, God. No more Zoom game nights. No. Get me out and, of this. And I just like I have been wishing I was just thinking this morning, my spouse has been working from home for, oh, my gosh, almost two years. I have gotten many glimpses of him walking yeah. by in the background. Almost 
two years. And for all of those two years, because we have a very open plan apartment, I have been thinking like, gosh, if we only had a door, there are no doors, but we could maybe do some sort of sliding barn door thing. And I have been imagining how nice that would be to have this, you know, sliding barn door on the sort of half of the apartment that he does a speakerphone calls in. I've been thinking about that, but not doing it because like we're almost done, but it would have been nice to have had that during this uh, part of my life that is certainly almost over. I, I, I decided this morning, I'm getting the barn door. I'm, if I have to build it myself door. out of cardboard boxes, I'm <laughs> making it. I think you should just, yeah, build a yeah. little fort around yeah, like, it. This is this is real life now. This has been two years of well, we're almost done, but let's just get through the next two weeks for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Get your barn door, and yeah. I mean, another aspect of the decision fatigue is we have a trip coming up. Yes, at the end of the month, which I now do not know whether or not it's going to happen. And I was saying to my husband last night in a rather depressed way. We have talked so much on the podcast, happiness and and happiness studies and what makes you feel good. And looking forward to plans is a huge factor in personal happiness. And I feel for myself like a linchpin of my personal happiness. And even this trip that we just did where we're going to get to see the family and have all these like fun things that we scaled everything down. We didn't do anything, but even just being together, I was completely robbed of that aspect of it because the entire time I just kept thinking, I'm not going to look forward to it because someone's going to test positive and we're not going to go. Wow. And now I have this other trip that's kind of, it's our Disney World trip. It's like our kind of once in a lifetime, we're going to go trip that we postponed from two years ago. And I kind of am on the fence about like, should we just cancel it because we're not getting half of the value of the trip? It's like, I can't even look forward to going. My in-laws just opened like the package. I mean, Disney, they send you like, they hype you, they hype it all up. <laughs> they opened this big package. It was like, you're coming to the most magical place on earth. And it had, I don't know, figurines or whatever it had in it. And I was like, womp, womp. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe we're coming to the most magical place on earth, or maybe we're not. That's why uh, we canceled our, you know, trip just for fun uh, last month, because I couldn't, yeah, I was getting no joy out of anticipating it, only dread. And I was thinking, like, dread, what if somebody gets it, we have to quarantine in a hotel room, we can't get home, and we have to, you know, wait in a three-mile line for a test. And I just thought, and when we get there... I might relax or I might just stay that worried the whole time about each encounter and each like, is this safe enough? Should we do this? And is this fine? I just thought, I don't want to do that for five days. I'd rather, I'd rather hide. Yeah, it's absolutely the right decision. And in our family, my nephew is studying and studying overseas. Uh, He's in a PhD program and he has not been able to travel as part of his studies since the pandemic started, which has been hugely problematic for his studies. And he finally got clearance to go. And it was the Friday after New Year's and he didn't come to Mm -hmm. the family gathering. He sat alone in his house eating leftovers for a week by himself because he needed to be sure that when he got to the airport, he was going to pass that PCR test that they gave him. And so I think that the goalposts actually have shifted. I mean, we definitely went on this gathering like, okay, we might get it. If we get it, we might all give it to each other. We might get stuck there. Like a long, long time ago, I had a friend who wanted to invest in something and his 
person who he was investing with was like, you have to imagine before you even think about this, losing all of the money. Like in your mind, light that money on fire because it's an investment. You could lose it. And people forget that. They think like, oh, I'm investing and I'm going to make money or get my money back. There is a part of this investment that like, what if you lose this money? Are you really ready to lose this money? And I think that's the kind of decision making we're at. Like, am I really ready to go and have 18 of us in a house with COVID and we all have to quarantine and we can't come back and the kids are going to miss a week of school? Like, let's think about it. And we kind of made the decision like, yes, that's okay. It's a different kind of decision making. I want to give a shout out to uh, somebody named Jenny Lemons Magic. She's a mom who lives in Austin, Texas. And she put a post up on Facebook that's gotten a lot of traction. It was even quoted in the Washington Post article about all this. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And she wrote, I can barely decide the right layers to wear today or what slash how to feed the kids. I haven't slept a full night in days because my strategy brain is trying to move the puzzle pieces into the optimal outcome with imperfect information. That's it, yeah. right? Like we, we're, we're still, we're parents. We're still trying to solve, particularly if we have kids who are under five, we want Optimal outcome, imperfect information, solve this puzzle by tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think that's the part of it that's been a little bit beaten out of me. Like I also, you know, I don't do like New Year's resolutions, but I've been a little bit back to one-y recently. And I'm just like, (laughs) that's another one we should say. We should explain what that is for some of our newer listeners. We always say back to one. It's Amy, you have to describe it because you're the actress. So on on a movie set or a TV set, you do a take of a scene, you run through it and they get to the end, they all cut and you hear a bell. And then if they're going to do it again which there almost always are, they say back to one. And that means everybody put everything back exactly the way it was. Not just the actors walking back, but like if a dollar bill gets handed over, the prop person has to hand it back to the first person. You know, like the train has to be brought back 100 feet because it's going to roll into the station. during. It might take an hour to set back to one, but you have to go back to one before you can do it again. So we always talk about back to one as a sort of reset. Because in the in the world of, you know, show business... It's not a bad thing that you have to reset and do it again. It's expected. You're going to do this scene 10, 20 times. You just got to go back to one. Just got to reset. So we talk about that as a sort of goal setting paradigm for ourselves. We don't feel bad that we have to. I need a system around these Legos. They've gotten out of hand. Okay, back to one. It isn't like don't. No hair shirt that you didn't you know, keep up with the system you set up. You're just going to set it up again. And also no expectation that it's going to be fixable. No expectation that like you now have a system that keeps the playroom clean. You don't. Right. You're going back to one and then it's going to get messed up again. And then you can always go back to one. Yeah. And so I always have a back to one January in terms of like by the end of December, I get to a point with like the Christmas eating where like there's just a joyless determination with which I am just shoveling food into my (laughs) mouth. Like there is, it's no longer eating. I'm just like, I guess I have to keep having these Christmas chocolates. They're not going to eat themselves. I guess I better get to it, you know, and I just I get to a place. But then I kind of have January to say, like, I'm going to eat like a reasonable person. I'm going to try to just eat when I'm hungry. I'm going to it's not weight loss. It's not anything. It's just let me go back to one. Let me cook some vegetables. Let me not order pizza three nights a week. Let me go to Costco and get some proteins in and cook a dinner at night. And and I think part of my back to one has been a little bit of like, let me disconnect from the constant, like there's some right way to do the pandemic yep. and let me just kind of surrender to it yep. a little bit. I am trying to disconnect from any idea that I am in any control over it. My back to one 
And I, I think you're on to something that like the sort of January thing. I mean, usually resolutions and goals are about let me make myself better, right? Let me right. let me work a little harder. I feel like my January resolutions this year are more like, how can I make this a little easier on myself? How can I yes. create more joy, relaxation and ease in my life right now? And the thing that I'm doing so far that's really working for me, Cal Newport, I get his newsletter. He wrote a book called Deep Work. I talk about it all the time. I love yeah, it. You love that book. It's how to create sort of deep work is sort of, you know, it's writing scene four of your novel. It's not answering the uh, school's email or filling out a form. And you have to allow time for deep work in your life. So he usually gives you a whole list of things to do in, in January, which I don't usually do. But this year, he's like, I want you to do one. This is the one thing I want everybody who gets this newsletter to try, take Twitter off your phone and replace the time that you spend looking at Twitter on your phone and trying to stay abreast of every you know new development in this crazy climate that we're living in with something that brings you joy. So mm. I took Twitter off my phone because I am a big Twitter user and I have replaced it with Flowkey, the piano app and with Duolingo and because I'm supposed to be going to Italy this summer and I hope it happens and I'm teaching myself some Italian and I have already... <laughs> Guess how much Italian I've learned in you know uh, ten days? It's it's crazy how much Italian I've learned by taking Twitter off my phone, and I feel better because I do think I have spent some time trying to be the most well informed person about case numbers, you know, in my neighborhood. And people need to be doing that, and I'm grateful for the people who are doing that. But I'm not an epidemiologist, so I can. I can stop for a couple of weeks and then pick it back up. And I will take it one step further. I don't think it's making you any safer. Yeah. That's what I've come around to that. Like I'm not controlling anything and we are going to continue to take the precautions that we know how to take, but I'm not going to determine that I can keep us from getting COVID yeah. anymore. I think that's where I've come to. Yeah. Fatalism, Amy. That's <laughs> awesome. where I've come to. All right. All right. We may or may not be back <laughs> after this break. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while 
still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, your new guide to the new COVID guidelines. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. It is important in these times of COVID to keep up to date on the guidelines. Please remember to follow the guidelines at all times. What are the guidelines? Great question. Listen, at the current time, the guidelines are in flux. Still, it is important that you follow these flux guidelines at all times. Travel? It's fine to travel. Although it's probably not a good idea. Like, please don't travel. Unless you have somewhere you'd like to go, then it's your call. Do what you think is best. School. Hmm. School will be remote or possibly in person. We will try to let you know what's going on as soon as possible. Uh, Not sure at this time when that will be. We might be able to tell you like the night before or maybe the morning of. Thanks for your patience. Parties. I mean... Those don't seem like a great idea, right? But we get it. Your friends and family are still throwing them and expect you to attend. So you should go. But test first. Although you can't really get a test. Certainly not a reliable one. So maybe you should stay home. I guess what we're saying is we don't really know. What are people on Facebook saying you should do? When will this end? Friends, as we have maintained from the beginning, this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's like a marathon where there are a series of things that seem like finish lines and then you celebrate because you're finally done running. But then, oops, we have to tell you, actually, you have to keep running. It's going to be like that for a while, like maybe forever. This has been your new guide to the new COVID guidelines. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Right, ready for some things that might work to make us feel better right now? Um, not really, but I guess come that's on, what we come on, give it a about. Try. So hit me. Go ahead. You asked if I was ready. I you're, answered you're honestly. Here. You're still here. You came back from break. I'm I listen to me. I am here. <laughs> Dr. Roseanne Capanna Hodge. She's a child psychologist, and she gave a bunch of ideas for this article that is in the Washington Post, written by Alexander Frost, called why you just can't choose parenting through pandemic decision fatigue. So I'll put the link in the show notes. There's mm. some there's some good ideas. Right on target. These are specifically to deal with the pandemic decision fatigue. How we feel like I can't I can't decide. Should I send my kids to school next week? Should I keep them home? Should I do this? Should we go see grandma? Like all that stuff that we're dealing with. Here are some things that work with those decisions. The first thing she says, envision your life post-decision. Visualize yourself having made the decision and living successfully in your new reality. I think that's putting the money, the investment money, lighting it on fire in your mind. Like, it's like, yes, can you live with whatever you're going to decide? Yes, exactly. I guess like for me, it was like, can I, can I picture myself being in a hotel room 
with one of my kids who just got, you know, just tested positive. So now I'm in the other hotel room and the other two of us like drive home with the other kid. And like, no, I can't picture that. So I guess we're not going. So I guess I would have helped. Yep. It makes a decision easier. The second thing that she suggests, this is Roseanne Kapana Hodge, is to start with the smallest choice. She says, take something off your plate when you're feeling overwhelmed by, this is more if you have like, I, I have so much to do and so much to worry about. Make one small decision. She says, if you're spending lots of mental energy on what to have for dinner, decide that as soon as you have a cup of coffee or do meal planning on Sundays. This was important for me coming back. I was like, I can't be doing the like four o'clock what's for dinner yeah. decision. So I did take some time before I came back and I had some, you know, I was on vacation. So I had some downtime and I spent some time on Pinterest, picked out a bunch of meals, came home, went to Costco, froze my proteins. And now it's like, okay, I don't have to decide. Yeah, it's, pot it's pretty great, go. right? That that whole like... It's freeing. You know me and meal planning. I get a little annoyed by it, but yes. It is annoying, but you take that you take that annoying all at once. I actually, it's less annoying than the I don't know feeling. Well, yeah. And I just, I don't feel good. I mean, we definitely had weeks in December where we were ordering pizza three times a week. It was insane. Mm -hmm. But it's December. That's what happens in December. But I <laughs> want to reset that. And so I have been. She says that you're going to model healthy mental health practices. So if you're stressed, sometimes we feel like we can't show that to our kids. We have to keep it inside, which of course makes us feel more stressed, right? When we're sort of clamping down on it. Yep. At least I'm speaking for myself. The goal is not to, you know, put on a facade of everything's fine and mom knows what to do. She says you can sort of show your kids that you're human and that you are, hmm, this is a really hard decision. I have to think about this. I'm feeling a little stressed, but I guess we'll do this. And then you problem solve. We want to show our kids that we are stressed, but we know how to manage it. I mean, sometimes yeah. that's easier said than done, but the goal is not mom is perfect and has all the answers. No, <laughs> I think we left that goal behind quite a while yeah. ago in my household. And this is a good one. This is from um, a therapist named Josh Jonas. He says, in a world in which everyone else's opinions have become so loud, making decisions is really hard because other people are very sanctimonious and righteous in terms of the thing to do right now. So he says... Turn off that noise, which is part of for me taking Twitter off my phone, right? Turn off that noise and choose the choice that makes you feel most calm internally. Yeah. Which again, I, mean, I wish I read this before we canceled our trip because I knew which choice made me most calm. Not going. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the answer. And and I think and I see it in our Facebook group and and I see it all over. It's a lot of people like, what is the right choice? You know, and and then a lot of people with strong opinions about that. And the thing is, that is, I think, where my laying down some stuff that I keep coming back to is that I'm letting go of the idea that there is a right choice, that there are numbers I can look at to clarify that there are this, that there are that. Like, listen, if I find out that this kind of masks work better than that kind of masks, I'll switch to that kind of masks. If somebody tells me that a booster on the booster makes me safer... I'll take it. Like, I'm very happy to take any worthwhile advice, but I have to get out of the place of like some secret person on Twitter named like Booty Call 8642 <laughs> has the answer to how I should be handling COVID. I I'm out. I'm out of that. I got to do it. I, I got to just, you know, say that it, it is harder now than it was two years ago because at least there was concrete guidance and there was some sense that we were all in this. Together. I'm going to push back on that. I think it's 
not as hard as it was two years ago. I guess the decision fatigue is harder. You're right. Like it was it was definitively harder and more scary. But we all did the same. We all knew we were supposed to do and we did it, at least for a little while. We've talked before about like the wolf outside the door is scarier than the wolf that you've opened the door and stared at. And I think that for me, that's how I feel a little bit more like, okay, I may get this and it may be okay, you know, and and that no matter what, how hard I recycle, I may not be able to stop global warming. Like no matter how much I read Twitter, I may not be able to prevent us from getting COVID. I actually find that more calming than I did the like, somehow I am responsible for this. Like in letting that go, I do feel calmer. It's yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to sort of circle what I what I meant, because there's no there's no way in which 2020 wasn't scarier than now and more dangerous and more deadly. I mean, it's the fifth time. It's exhausting. I mean, it's definitely exhausting. We're tired of having the conversation. We're tired of trying to make the decisions. And but also the, the guidance is the guidance has gotten less and less clear. And now that I just feel like there's no guidance at all. Yeah, because I think we've all kind of moved from like panic to like some sort of grim acceptance. I'm a this grim is, acceptance. That's it. This is the, the the perfect example of what I mean. So my my son just went back to college. They are having classes remotely, but the kids can be in the dorms. That's what they figured out. And they sent out this email right before the new year. Like, hello, everybody. Uh, all students need to have negative PCR test results within 48 hours of returning to campus. Sure. Good luck with but that. But then you read it and it was like the test results, you need to get the results within 48 hours or you need to get the test and the results within 48 hours because that's like actually impossible right now. And so immediately the parents Facebook page lit up with like, what does this mean? <laughs> do, you right. mean do you mean get the results or do you mean get the test? And the poor person who was handling the Facebook parents page with this college is like, ah, uh, let me circle back to you on that one. Yeah, that's a good question. Let me get circle back to you on that one. Guess what? It, they never circled back. They never came up. And then there were questions like, the kid has to test before they can access their dorm room. The flight lands at 4.30. The testing center closes at 4 for something that's really important. Why is the testing center closing at 4? Should my kid go to a hotel? Should we reschedule our flight? Do you want us to do this? And again, it was like, well, good question. We'll get back to you on that. And then they never got back to you. That's another thing that I have to say for myself. We are back from our trip, hunkered down, kids school is open and we're not doing anything else. So I know for people who are actually trying to like do things like put their kids on a plane back to college and figure out the tests, like I'm a little bit like, Meh, can't be fixed. Oh, well, like I definitely know that for people who are like, you have to have a test before you can this and there's no test. I mean, it's it's a hot mess out there. Yeah. It's a hot mess. I've extended family members who are three people living together. One tested positive for COVID and the other two are like, we probably have it. We don't have rapid tests. We can't get them. We have, you know, we can get a PCR test in six days. Right. So I guess we'll go do that. Like, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. But they're, they're not being given an option. No, no that, that, that's where I get kind of fatalistic. It's like, right. But that's right. If you're mm -hmm. trying to do anything decent, you, you've got serious problems. One other thing I want to say about this that occurred to me like a 3 a.m. wake up is I have had to sit down and have a really different conversation with my kids about COVID. So for a long time, the conversation I was having with my kids about COVID was we're doing everything we can to stay safe from COVID. Like our job and our goal was to not get COVID. And 
at a certain point, I said kind of offhandedly to my husband, well, I guess we all get this now, right? That's the new plan. And I realized my kids were kind of freaked out, like, but COVID, and they haven't been following and they haven't been on Twitter. They haven't understood that, like, it's a variant and is it less serious or maybe it's okay because we're vaccinated. My kids are fully vaccinated. We're fully vaccinated. And I never really updated the language for them. Like, it was like, COVID is really scary. And if you get it, it's really bad. And especially if our older family members get it, they're going to die from it. Like, and that I had never continued this whole internal conversation that I was having as an adult. So I think it is worthwhile to have that conversation with your kids. Like, here's what's happened. We're now vaccinated. We have this protection. Um, you know, Nana and Gramps are vaccinated and they have the booster and it looks good and there's these treatments. And so we're still being really safe for ourselves. But at this point, it's not such a scary idea to get it. My kids get tested at school. It's possible that they could test positive at school and someone could just say to them like, oh, you have to call your mom and go home. You have COVID. And I never really prepared them for that in terms of like, if you test positive for COVID, it's going to be okay. That's a really, really good point. My kids are older. And so just over this Christmas break, even my eighth grader, you know, every day on Instagram or, you know, one of her social media things like, oh, this one is COVID now. Oh, this one's do this. Feel better, though. Like she she was seeing in real time her friends sort of reporting. Guess what? Everybody, you know, and <laughs> Snapchatting themselves in bed with their laptops. Right. And I think my 13 year old gets that. But my nine year old, when I just suddenly randomly was like, we're all going to get COVID. She was like, what are you talking about? Well, I thought COVID was like yeah. the scariest thing ever. And we can't get it. Right. I thought the whole <laughs> point was right. Everything we did up to now was to yeah. not get it. And she's, not, she's wrong. not wrong. She's not, she's not wrong. wrong. And listen, I'm still trying not to get it. You know, haven't had it. Still trying not to get it. But I do think that you know, the I, I'm just trying to engage less this time around. Also, there's nothing to suggest this is the last peak, you know. And so I'm yeah. trying to engage less this time around with if I properly recycle, only I can stop global warming. I'm trying to stop being like if my decisions are somehow controlling how this all turns out, I'm, I'm divorcing myself from that as much as I can. I'm going to really try to stay with this idea that you make the decision that would make you feel the calmest yeah. right now. I think that's really smart. I really like that. That really helps me. And it isn't like the, as you say, the best decision for the world of COVID and to make sure that everybody I love is safe forever. But what will make me feel calm? Yeah. And to make sure that the, 86 million people on the internet <laughs> agree with your choice. Like, I would yeah. stay out of that yeah, as well. Makes sense. Amy, we solved it. We solved Omicron just as Amazing. we've solved every other Good. outbreak of COVID. We are here solving COVID. Nobody asks us. That maybe is the problem. I have a special uh, New Year's request for our listeners, which is Spotify now lets you rate and review podcasts, which never happened before, but now you can. And it would be really helpful to us if you listen to this show on Spotify, or even if you have a Spotify account, pull up What Fresh Hell and throw us some stars and some love. That would be great because it's a chance to really like stand out as they're rolling out that feature. Yeah, and listen, you're home anyway. You're not going <laughs> yeah. anywhere. What else are you busy doing? Give us some stars, please. This is an easy decision for you. <laughs> Next best thing. This decision will make you feel calmer. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Friends, I hope everyone's healthy and safe out there. And uh, we will talk to you next time. So long.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 